This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Worship, we adore you. Faithful God you are, faithful God you have been. Uh, we thank you for all that you have done. And that we say thank you. What have you not done for us? Daddy, we say thank you. Take all glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I pray in the few minutes left that, Lord, you will speak to us. Lord, encourage every heart and let your name be glorified in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So this week also, uh, my lovely wife will be going to Nigeria for three weeks, you know, so... I'm going to be ruthless for the next three weeks. I'm going to be without a Ruth. Ruth. <laughs> it's an inside joke. I'm too born again to be ruthless. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, uh, save Johnny Mercies uh, for our co-pastor. Uh, the Lord will take you safely and bring you back safely. In the name of Jesus. Uh, so very quickly, let's go. We, we started a sermon series last week that I simply called Get Smart. Who, who remembers that? Who is smarter from last Sunday to today? Still working on it? Okay. All right. I see some hands up. Uh, and what, the only thing we're able to talk about, I told you that uh, the SMART is an acronym. And we talked about the S last week. Who remembers what the S is? Sensitivity. Sensitivity. Uh, being sensitive to the leading and the direction of God is what we talked about. Listen, what I've noticed is that many people have missed a lot of Kairos moments. A Kairos moment is when everything comes together and is supposed to work out perfectly for you. But because a lot of people are not sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives, they have missed up or passed up on that Kairos moment. But the good thing is, our God is not just a God of second chances, He's a God of many chances. God will restore unto you that which you have lost in the mighty name of Jesus. And for some people, it's bad decisions. Bad decisions. You have not made a wise choice and it's costing you so much right now. I pray that God will lead you in the right way for you. In the name of Jesus. Listen. God's will. Listen close to this. If you are writing, please stop for a minute. And I want everybody to look up. God's will does not mean easy. That's a mistake a lot of people will make. If it's working, then it must be God. If it's not working, then it must be the devil. Lie. Big lie. Big lie. Remember the story of Moses. When God was going to call Moses, he called Moses from the palace to the wilderness. And he had a process of 40 years before he came back and entered into that place that God had promised him. So, the fact that you are in God's will, it is not defined and described by the ease of the situation. 
So note that. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, you know the story, uh, the hall of fame, of faith. It says Moses, Hebrews 11, 25, it says Moses chose rather, it says he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. What he's referring to there is being in the palace. And somebody was talking about this yesterday. <laughs> Think about it. If it was us today, God is calling you. There's a work for you to do. And he's saying, resign that executive job and uh, go do mission work in the jungle of Amazon. Thank you. <laughs> in the jungle of Amazon. What do we do? We begin to rationalize. He said, you know what? There are a lot of missionaries that are suffering in the Amazon jungle. What I'm going to do, I'm going to increase my tithe. Instead of 10%, I will give 10% to George, and I will give 10% to the missions. That's what I'm going to do. Do you know, Moses could have reasoned and could have said, what I'm going to do is I will stay in the palace and wait it out until I become the pharaoh. Then when I become the pharaoh, I will set the people free. Every time you are looking for the easy way out, it's going to bend your life out of shape. There's a quote uh, by Henry David Thoreau. It says, the path of least resistance leads to crooked rivers and men. The path of least resistance leads to crooked, path, uh, uh, crooked rivers and crooked men. Look at this river. This is a river, right? The reason you have all these twists and all that turn is because water is looking for the path of least resistance. That, this river could have just flowed from here to there. You see how it wasted life and wasted time. Or from here to there, but because it's looking for the path of least resistance. That's why it has all the turns and all the curves. This is what happens in our lives whenever it is that we are looking for the way, easy way out. Shortcut. Shortcut, have you noticed, at the end of the day takes you a long time. Say, so let me take a quick shortcut, and then you get lost. And then the traffic you are trying to avoid... The people have passed, they have gone home, they have had uh, uh, noodles and chicken soup before you get home. Chicken noodles. Yeah, that one. <laughs> the fact that it's the will of God for you does not mean it's going to be easy. Paul was very well on his way to become a Supreme Court justice of his time. He was on the way to become a Sanhedrin when God met with him. Amen? And then he started from ground zero again. Do you know if Moses had stayed and become the Pharaoh and did not lead the people out, we would not know about him today. Do you know the name of the Pharaoh that was there when Moses was there? No, but you know the name of Moses. The same with Paul. If Paul will say, okay, now that I have had Jesus, 
I'm going to hang out with these Pharisees so that I can change the system from within. Isn't that our logic? I will change the system from within. If he would have done that, he would have gone to oblivion in the annals of history. Do you know the name of the high priest that was there when Paul was here? No, but you know the name of Paul. Friends, don't take shortcuts, is what I'm saying to you. Wait on the Lord. Look at your neighbor, say, wait on the Lord. And follow his leading, no matter how difficult. So I said to us, I said, get smart. Get smart. Get smart. Uh, I will read a scripture. Uh, we're going to read it uh, in a little bit. It's important for us to get smart. To get smart means become wise. Be wiser in your dealings with people. Part of the challenge I have is, I ask, these are questions I ask myself. If I'm a child of God, and my father is the creator of the heavens and the earth, why is it that I'm not leveraging my position as a son of the owner of everything? Have you asked yourself that question? Why is it that you, I'm struggling like everybody else? It's because we are not wise enough just yet. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10, it says, using a dull axe requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. The old King James says, wisdom is profitable to direct. Wisdom is the key. You need to get wiser. I need to get wiser. Amen. Why? Because wisdom is what helps you succeed in life. So our text is uh, Luke chapter 16. We read 1 through 8, but I'm not going to read 1 through 8. We read 1 through 8 last week. Uh, when you get home, you can read it. I'm just going to read from uh, verse 8. Uh, and the story here is, you know, the, the uh, dishonest manager. So verse 8, it says, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. You know, this guy, as I think about him, I'm like, this guy is smart, but he's also not smart. Number one, whatever he did that he got in trouble for, he was exposed. Right? And then the plan he came up with, he said, this is how I'm going to survive after my, my boss fires me. The master knew about it also. <laughs> because the master, he said, he really looked at it and said, this guy is smart. He's smart. He's doctoring the papers for his own benefit and all of these things. But let's continue to read. So in the easy-to-read uh, translation of the Bible, it said, later the, the master told the manager that he had done a smart thing. Yes, worldly people are smarter in their business with each other than spiritual people. And verse 9, Jesus says something very important. Jesus said, here is the lesson. If you have a hard-copied Bible, that's the part you underline. He said, here is the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then... When your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. 
What is Jesus simply saying? Be wise. Be smart. Be wise. Be smart. Yes, we are born again, spirit-filled, demon-chasing, tongue-talking, and all of that. But there is more to life like you have realized there is more to life. Amen? If I am going to leverage my advantage as a child of God, number one, I must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Number two, the blank there is I must be measured. Somebody is saying, Pastor, you want to put a rule to me now? No, 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 no. Measured here means be reasonable. Be restrained, have self-control. Be deliberate, be intentional. Be measured. Don't be impulsive. Be temperate. To be temperate means to have self-control. Amen? To have self-control. And you know, temperance, temperance is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Especially in times of crisis. Watch this. There's a story in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 30. David and his men had gone out, you know, to fight, and uh, they came back. All their wives were taken, including David's wives. The guy was a, <laughs> he was a polygamist. <laughs> I'm still asking for grace to do the best I can for the one that I have. It still beats me how anybody can have multiple wives. Anyway, that's not what we are talking about today. <laughs> so they come back. All their wives and their children are taken. And all their stuff. Everybody is upset. And then they look at Moses, their leader. They want to stone him to death. I'm sure at that point, if he was weeping like this before, let me be dignified. By the time he heard that his own men Wanted to stone him. He was not quite, he was not crying. He was, <laughs> it must have gotten really bad. That what? You? You that we ate and dined together? Amen. I remember many years ago, we were just, we were newly wed. I think it was the first or second week of our marriage. My wife had typhoid. My American chick in Nigeria. I'm like, what? So we went to the hospital, you know, uh, while they were giving her drips and doing everything. I'm just, you know, praying dignifiedly, you know. Just praying, very dignified prayers, you know. Just, just very dignified. Until one nurse came. A slow-release drug that was supposed to be given over, I don't know, four or five hours, just pushed everything through her vein. And all of a sudden, her eyes were going, <laughs> as you will expect, my prayer changed. <laughs> my prayer changed. What? What are you doing? The devil is a liar. Just married two weeks, two weeks. I waited 32 years and two weeks. Uh -uh. <laughs> Listen, what am I driving at? We're talking about being self, uh, having self-control and temperate. When crisis breaks, it is natural 
to have those kind of emotions. Right? You're going to weep. You're going to be sad. You're going to cry. You're going to murmur. You're going to say stuff you didn't mean. But don't let that be the continuation of your story. It means after a point, you should be able to pull back. I say, okay, now, it is what it is. How, where do we go from here? That's what I'm talking about here. You have to be measured. You have to be deliberate. You have to be intentional. Remember, like three weeks ago, we talked about intentional living. Right? We talked about intentional. And I told us, I said, don't allow yourself to be self-absorbed with your problems. A lot of people, the way they behave when they are in crisis is like, nobody else has problem in this life but me. Look at me. My life is over. There are many lives worse than your life. There's nobody here today that their story is worse than the video I just showed you. Not one person. Not one person. So you must be able to inflect and think within because the Bible says, Ephesians 3, verse 20. Ephesians 3, 20. It says, God has given us exceedingly and abundantly all that we need according to the power that is already at work in us. I'm not a loser. I'm not a victim. Anybody that tells you you are a victim, you need to reject it. In fact, I had something recently. You know, uh, one pastor was saying, is that who told you you are black? Think about it. I don't see anybody that is black here. I don't care how dark skin you are. This is black. You know anybody this color? You know anybody this color? There's no... What's black? What's black? I am African, American. I am Nigerian, American. That's a description. Nobody is white. Have you seen white? You seen anybody colored this pants? Nobody is white. I'm getting off topic now. But listen to this. Listen to this. It is important you know that there is so much within you that you need to pull out. There is so much solution that is already in you, but you will never see it unless you are deliberate and intentional unless you are measured in your response in crisis. So when I say get smart, I'm saying be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying in your responses to crisis, to problems, even to success, be measured. Be measured. Be measured. Be temperate. Don't let any situation overwhelm you. It has come and it will pass. That's something I learned many years ago. It has come, and the same way it came, it will pass. When I knew her many years ago, I'm talking about Oreo Fair, when I, many years ago, the problems I had then that looked impossible. In fact, her uncle was like my benefactor. She was a little girl. The problems I had there is not the problem I have now. If you let God walk with you and you walk with God, what you call problem today, next year, it will be something else you'll be talking about. It has come, it will pass. 
by design, the problem is not supposed to destroy you. It's supposed to help you become better. Greatness is made in the crucible of affliction. The quality of gold is determined by how much heat and how long it is. It remains in that heat. A 10-carat gold is gold, but gold with impurities. The same with 14. The same with 18. When you're talking about 24-carat gold, you are talking about gold that has withstood high pressure and heat. And through that process, all the, all the dirt, all the impurities have been removed. So the bigger the problem, the bigger the testimony. Hallelujah. I said, the bigger the problem, the bigger the testimony. Some people, listen to me, some people, some people, they said they want big testimony. You don't know what you are praying. You can't have big testimony without big problem. How can it be if your problem is just $100 and somebody gives you $100, is that a big problem? No, that's not a big problem. If you say, Lord, I, I, I want a big, huge testimony. You just know that you are praying what you are not praying indirectly. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Listen. What I saw in our example, we used the example of uh, Daniel the last time. And I need to speed things up now. We saw Daniel. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream and called his wise men. He said, come tell me my dream and tell me the interpretation of the dream without him telling them the dream. He said, the way I will know that your interpretation is correct is if you can tell me the dream that I dreamt without me telling you the dream. If you can tell me the dream, then whatever you tell me is the interpretation of that dream, I will accept it as a right interpretation. And he says, if you can't tell me that dream, I'm going to kill all of you. And what got to Daniel? In verse 14, Daniel 2.14, the Bible says, listen to this. I love this. Verse 14, 2.14. When, uh, which translation is this? Uh, look at uh, New King James. He said, then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Ariok. And the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. Daniel engaged that guy. You could tell that Daniel was not consumed by fear. Daniel was not peeing in his pants and, uh, you know, all flustered like most people in crisis. He was not all flustered. The Bible says when the man that was supposed to kill him came to him, he engaged him with wisdom and with counsel. I said, so tell me, what, what, what's, what's going on here? Verse 15. He answered, and said to Ariok, uh, Ariok, the king's captain, why is the king at the decree from the king so urgent? Then the, 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 the Ariok told him the reason why. And then in verse 16, this is me right here. Says, so Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time 
that he might tell the king the interpretation. Do you know many people in life go off of other people's experience? So once somebody told you that, oh, that guy is a bad guy. The next thing, you don't want to see them again. That is how many people have passed up opportunities in life. If your relationship didn't work out, it doesn't mean our relationship would not work out. <laughs> I don't go off of other people's experience. He went to the king himself. He said, I have heard what uh, Ariok, your messenger, said. But can you give me some time? Can you give me some time? Let me go seek the face of God, and then I'll come to you. It takes someone that is, uh, uh, that is in charge, someone that is in control, someone that knows who they are. Remember, it's the same Daniel that said, they that know their God shall be strong and do exploit. He knew his God. The problem with us today is we don't know our God. We know about him. We can talk about him. We can tell others what has been said about him. But we really don't know him. He knew his God, so he went to the king and said, Oh, king, uh, I, I heard what you said, but uh, give me a little time. I will tell you your dream, and I will tell you the interpretation. His confidence was in his God. And he knew, by the grace of God, I got this. Listen to me. Not many of us are measured. You know, you, you know the story of the disciples. You know, Jesus sent them to a city. They wanted to preach. They didn't want to listen to them. In Luke chapter 9, where you read from 52, they didn't want to listen to them. James and John said, Jesus, let's call down fire and destroy all of these people like in the day of old. Isn't that how many people pray because something is not going your way? You say, Holy Ghost fire, consume them. Just kill them. Let the fire, you call fire. I, I don't even remember how they pray those prayers anymore. God has not called us to destruction. They forgot that their message was the gospel. If they call fire and fire consume those people and destroy them, who are they going to preach to? What would be the point? Who is going to get saved? You have killed everybody. So if something is not going your way, don't pray for the destruction of the person that you think is in your way. Because that thing they are doing to you, God is using it to shape who he wants you to become. He's using it to build up resilience in you so you have the stomach to be able to stand difficult times. I'm going to jump to the third one very quickly, and then we'll, uh, I'll, I'll stop there. Number three. So number one, be sensitive. Number two, be measured. Be measured. After you have cried and wept and everything, calm down. It's not the end of the world. At least you are still alive. Amen? If it was really bad, the person would be dead. But you are alive. As long as there is life, there is hope. Amen? Number three point is be articulate. I have a big problem with a lot of people here. To be articulate means the ability to speak fluently and coherently. You know, don't blame people and say, eh, 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 it's because I have an accent. Come on, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. 
Before I come before you sometimes, there are words, if I look at the word, I don't know how to pronounce it. I go on Google. I let Google pronounce it to me, and I say it back. When you are not saying stuff right, you should be able to, if you can't hear yourself that you are wrong, that person has a bigger problem. Is it true? You, to be articulate, how you speak is going to determine whether the door will be open to you or not in some cases. If you don't know how to speak and speak well and coherently make your point, even though you are the best candidate, they may not accept you. Praise the Lord. Let me give you an example. I hear this a lot. Convenant. There's no such word in English. Convenant. It's covenant. They put the word on the screen. You are reading the word and you are still putting an end where there is no end. Think about, I'm, I'm telling you, these are subtle things that are costly to individuals. Be articulate. Be articulate. Listen to me. In Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2, you read verse, from verse 1 to 6. The Bible says in chapter 1 that some people came back from Jerusalem and said to Nehemiah, they said, Nehemiah, he asked them, he said, how is Jerusalem? He said, Jerusalem is in a terrible place. They told him all the, the mess that Jerusalem had become. And after he had all of that, he wept. He fasted. He went through the process. He wept, he fasted, and then the next time he appeared before the king, he appeared sad. The king said, ah, Mr. Man, you look sad. You are my cup bearer. If you are looking sad like this, maybe you have your heart is not clean towards me. You know? <laughs> Say, what's going on? Listen. And I'm going to jump now because of time. So he, verse 3, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 3. He said, I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied. If it pleased the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Verse 6, the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I will be gone, the king agreed with my request. Listen to this. There's a bunch of things you need to learn from here. When the king asked him, what is the problem? You look sad. Look at the way he addressed the king. May the king live long. May the king live forever. Amen? Soft words. The Bible says how forcible are right words. You know, if, if you're going to give a presentation, can I give you a, a good advice? Good advice. If you're going to give a uh, presentation, the first thing you must do, think about the first words you are going to speak when you get up there. Right? How am I going to introduce this thing? You think about it, you look at yourself in the mirror, you say it back to yourself. You know, people do it differently. I don't look in the mirror, you know. But I, I'm, I'm going over my words in my heart. Before I come up, each time, 
Before I come up, I think about what I'm going to say first. How am I going to begin? What's the first thing I'm going to say? He thought, you clearly, he thought about this and he thought through it. So he went, he spoke, he said, long live the king, this, this, this and that. And then the, the king asked him two very important questions. Some people are looking for financiers that will finance their business. But you don't have a business plan. But you have time to bind the devil. You have time to call down fire. You are wasting time. All that time you are praying, oh, oh, Holy Ghost fire. Just leave Holy Ghost fire right now. And go and take time to write a business plan. Write a business plan that you are going to present to whomever will be interested in what you're doing. When the king said, how can I help you? He had a ready answer. He thought about it before he got there. He was not making stop off, well, making it up as he went, which is what most people do. That I'll just wing it. Okay, keep on living. Anyway, let's come back. He didn't wing it. He had a plan. He said, if the king will let me go and rebuild the city, that would be great. The king asked him, he said, how long will you be gone for? When will you return? He had an answer. You know why? He had thought it through. Many people, many Christians, they don't think things through. We are so quick to say, ah, this is the person that is responsible for my woes in life. Victim mentality. It has to be so, ah, these people, they have not left me. Ah, they followed me to San Antonio. Again. Again. You know? We have, and this is based on how we grew up. You know, our kids don't feel that way. They, we feel it, but in a different way. You know, but for most of us that grew up in Africa, you know, we grew up with the mindset of somebody is doing you. Somebody is doing voodoo. Somebody is doing voodoo. That's why you are not successful. All the voodoo in this world could not stop Jeff Bezos from becoming billionaire. His company is a trillion dollar business. Now, I know when Amazon started, I was in this America. I remember, I didn't understand what it was all about. I'm like, what's this thing? Amazon, Amazon, what's Amazon? Friends, I'm giving you good advice today. Number one, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. However he leads you, follow through. Follow through, follow through. Do you know, I know a bunch of people, at least two, at least two, in this pandemic that are thriving. One of the things I did was I told myself, you know what? This lockdown is just weighing me down in a funny way that I don't like. I decided to take a certification. Guess what? After I took that certification, I just wanted to add to my knowledge. It became significant for my next step. I'm preparing for another one now. I know at least two people that have two full-time remote jobs. Full-time remote job. You know, and people are busy binding the devil and calling down fire. Calling down fire. Please, leave fire alone. How about you call down wisdom? How about you call down understanding? How about you call down direction? How about you call down light? Lord, shed your light into my darkness.
please rise to your feet. Uh, I'm out of time, not out of message. We'll continue from there next time. I want you to lift up both hands to heaven, and I want you to talk to the Lord. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, help me. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible says, Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my, my words in your mouth. Say, Father, put your words in my mouth. In the name of Jesus. Give me the tongue of the learned. 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 That I may be able to articulate words with meaning. That I will not just speak, just for speaking sake, but I will only speak when I have something important to say. Help me, mighty God. Your breakthrough begins with your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. You having self-control and being intentional about the way you live. And articulating your words carefully. Articulating the plan carefully. So that others may rise up to help you. Say, Daddy, help me. Jehovah, help me. Help me, King of glory. Help me, Master. Master Jesus. Master Jesus. Master Jesus. Help me. Help me, Lord. Ask God to anoint your lips. To anoint your tongue. In the name of Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.